it's just an honor and a privilege to praise God and worship alongside of you, amen. I hope you'll join with me and, and just enter right in, amen. Nothing brings me more joy than giving God glory, amen. This never gets old to me, amen. I hope it never gets old to you, amen. <clears throat> amen. Let's sing this song together, I Bless Your Name. I bless your name, I bless your name, I give you honor, I give you praise, you are
I want to see 
pray that he opens our eyes tonight, eyes of our heart that we could see his word. Amen. Chase away all doubt and fear. Amen. In each and every one's life. Amen. We're going to change our... Good evening, friends, and welcome to our broadcast at Hickory Bible Tabernacle. It's an honor to have you with us tonight. Trust that you've enjoyed the little bit of singing and worship that we had preliminaries uh, here as a preliminary here this evening. And uh, we just want to take a few minutes tonight just to study a little bit. I realize this is a probably a busy night for most families and getting ready for holidays and dinners and uh, receiving family and everything else that's going on. And so I thought it might be nice just to have a little short uh, study here just because we're winding down to the end of the year and uh, address a few things that I had not addressed in some previous services. And so um, we greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I'm glad that you're here tonight. Uh, let's just jump right in. I've got a couple of prayer requests here that I want to bring, and then we'll have a word of prayer and a reading of Scripture. We're going to go to Matthew, the second chapter, as you see on the passage today. Um, today is uh, Henry Coffey's birthday. He's out in Arizona with Peter and Rachel and Miles and Brother Tom, Sister Kim, and uh, we certainly miss them. Uh, also, tomorrow is Hope Pritchard's birthday, as well as the anniversary of the Knobloch, so we wish them all the very best uh, tomorrow. We want to remember the folks that are stricken with the virus, uh, the Whitlock family, the Stevens family, uh, and some of these uh, folks now are in quarantine. Everybody's not uh, tested positive, but some of the people are in quarantine uh, the Morgliers as well are in quarantine. Uh, Brother David uh, tested negative. They had a co-worker uh, who was very sick, and so they're still waiting on Sister Karen's results, but uh, they have been uh, quarantined as well. Uh, so we want to remember uh, those needs. And there's a couple of others as well, and my policy is, is that I normally don't mention names unless I get the go-ahead uh, because that's people's business. And... Um, but we do want to remember several families. None of these families were there, by the way, uh, in Sunday service. So uh, they they knew that there was something taking place there. But we do want to remember them in prayer. An employee of the Pascals, his name is Tim Cart. He asked to be remembered in prayer as well. Don't know that person. Uh, but we want to remember them in prayer. They have an elderly mother who lives with them and they have uh, the virus in their house. I spoke with Sister Tracy Rabin. Uh, this week, and we, we want to remember her, and we certainly miss Sister Tracy, uh, but a tough year for her. And uh, I had a we had a card today from Sister Andrea Pruitt, and uh, it was really nice to see that come in the mail today. Uh, it's tough for families that have lost loved ones uh, in, in this season, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, when families get together and you realize that someone's not there, uh, we all probably know what that feels like. And... Uh, it's, it's a good thing for us to remember those folks and even to reach out to them and give them a call or a text or, a, you know, contact them in some way. I know that they really do appreciate that. I had some conversation with Brother Ron Spencer, and uh, they're doing some testing on uh, Brother Ron. When they do testing on Brother Ron, it's, it's rather extensive. They have to do different uh, testing from different departments, and so uh, he's waiting on results and so forth, uh, getting that done. So um, he asked us, uh, and, and he really does appreciate when we remember him in prayer. So uh, having brought those requests and the requests that you have tonight, let's bow our heads together in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, always grateful that we can turn to you, always grateful that we can have a meeting or a conference with you, as Brother Branham taught. We're so grateful that we can just close our eyes and just reach out in faith, Lord, and believe that you hear us as we pray and hear us as we cry out to you. And Lord, it's important for us who are strong to pray for those that are weak and those that are going through difficult times. And so we hold our brothers and sisters up in prayer and believe, Lord, that you are mindful of every burden, every cry of every heart, that you're mindful, Lord, of every situation. And Lord, you understand the uh, tough times that we're going through. And I believe, Lord, that you always have a solution. You always have an answer. And so we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just bless this little gathering tonight. Bless the words that are spoken and the words that are heard. We commit our time into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I wanted to take uh, just a moment here at the beginning of this uh, this service because this is the last one that we will have before December 25th. And just to say that uh, I, I really regret the fact that we were not able to get together and have our normal end of the year or Christmas dinner that we uh, so enjoy. And uh, I hate that uh, we were unable to accommodate that this year. Uh, gatherings are a risk and um, we miss everybody when we're not able to do things. As a matter of fact, we've always been able to do this. So this is the first time we've ever experienced this kind of a uh, year end. But it's always great to give an, have an opportunity for my wife and I to say thank you to everybody who participates and everybody who's a part of the vision, everybody who works so hard. And I just wanted to say that on behalf of my wife and I that we really do appreciate the work that goes into making our church strong and uh, to continue the uh, progress that we've made and uh, to see the growth, even in difficult years like this year, we've just seen some really wonderful growth and seen some uh, folks dedicate their hearts to the Lord, some young people and uh, new families that have come and just some great um, expansion in some of the work overseas and all of that, you know, and, and it isn't just me, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's teamwork that gets all that done. And so we appreciate it very much. I wanted to say a special thank you to Brother Jeremy and his crew uh, who labor so tirelessly technically and uh, get everything done and keep us all connected. Uh, this year especially, it's been a real blessing to have them so dedicated to the cause. And we really appreciate that, Brother Jeremy. Um, to our maintenance crew, uh, you know, who have had challenges this year, especially with uh, trying to keep everything super clean, uh, we we want to say that we appreciate you very much as well. Our musicians add something to every service, and we're thankful for all of them. We have folks who look after uh, the financial part of things in the church and work with me very closely, and I I appreciate their help. The ministry, the brothers who minister and there are visiting ministers who come in. Uh, we're so grateful for them. Our trustees who are uh, extra busy at this particular point in time doing the renovations and their wives, I want to say that we thank you very much for uh, your oversight and your help. It's it's really been great. With Brother Ben and his crew uh, just always feel like I have uh, a team that I can rely upon. And then lastly, to say that uh, our deacons, um, our deacons work hard, their wives work hard, and they're always involved, and uh, I, I communicate with them very regularly. Um, they have a hard job because they had to put up with me and and uh, have to deal with, with uh, some things, even when they don't agree. 
uh, or, or agree with me. And uh, but I appreciate their faithfulness and their steadfastness and their uh, willingness to, uh, you know, to be real uh, watchdogs in the church and policemen in the church and, and just just dedicated brothers and sisters. And uh, I, I really appreciate uh, their work and their again, their steadfastness. It, it, it really does make a big difference. So uh, may God bless you. May God bless your family time. May God bless your uh, fellowship that you have with other families. I realize that, as I said in the update, uh, we're not always able to travel and, and go interstate to visit with our natural families. And I understand that. So members within the church become like family to us. And if you have uh, close friends, I, I think that's a wonderful blessing and a wonderful uh, thing to have. And, uh, you know, to be able to share times together, I, I think that's wonderful. And uh, I just trust that your uh, time is blessed. If you have time off and you're able to enjoy that and do things with your family, I, I think that's great. And uh, you should uh, take full advantage of it and enjoy it until we get back to the regular routine and get back to school and all the other, re all the other responsibilities that we have in life. But may the Lord bless you, give you a time of peace, give you a time of, of rest and uh, hope that you don't eat too much and uh, be able to enjoy one another's company. And so may the Lord richly bless you. We mean that. My wife and I send those greetings to you from our hearts. And uh, we just wish all God's blessings upon you and your family. And uh, may you be safe and healthy uh, through, the, through the balance of the year. This is really strange for us because we don't have the youth retreat. And uh, we kind of don't know what to do with ourselves, you know. It's it's just been been so strange this year, not planning and working and and uh, doing everything that's necessary for the retreat, but uh, we'll manage. So we're thankful for that. Now, uh, I wanted to give you just a little update here from Pakistan, and I'm going to do a little preamble. I had a great testimony when I was doing a little preamble on Sunday, and I was talking about rest and healing, and uh, some folks responded to that and. Oh my, it just really personally spoke to their hearts, and I was really glad to get those testimonies back. Because uh, sometimes you don't know why you're saying things, but you do know you're saying them for a reason. And uh, so I wanted to give you a little update here from Pakistan. Here's Brother Anwar. He preaches every night at least once a day, and uh, they're having all kinds of ministers' meetings, and uh, brothers are coming from far and wide just to be uh, able to sit down and, and talk and fellowship together. Uh, he informed me today that he has extended his stay for another week or two uh, because he's, uh, you know, been just so uh, requested to travel around and be with the brothers over there. So he's he's really enjoying his time uh, back in Pakistan and seems to be safe, seems to be doing well. And so we're thankful for that. He went and visited the local printing company and they are uh, printing the, the one of the larger books in Pakistan for us. And uh, it was just easier to do it there than it was uh, to ship it in. So uh, they're printing there and they're uh, doing well. So um, we're, we're very grateful for that. And, and uh, Brother Anmar sent me several pictures of the whole process uh, in Pakistan. It looks cold there, I think, because it is cold there. And uh, this is one of the workers in the factory there where they're doing the printing. So we're, we're grateful for that, very thankful. Now, let me jump in and do a little extended uh, uh, preamble here for a moment. And I just, uh, again, I just wanted to bring up a couple of points here. 
So if you have your phone and you want to jump in here and, and let me know you're out there, that would be really great. Uh, Brother Branham makes a, a statement here, and you'll find this principle in several different sermons. And he says, he says, do you see it? He and, and he was talking about, you know, the beginning of the Gentile time and the end of the Gentile time and how important those two endpoints are. And he says, someone can stand right next to you and see things that you can't see to save your life. And someone said, I don't believe that. I, I never saw anything. And he said, because it wasn't for you to see it. And none of them saw the star that crossed every observatory but the wise men. And many things, and here's the important line, many things that God has designated for certain peoples to see and others cannot see. So God has designed it that way. He said, I love that. When God in his infinite wisdom has predestinated or foreordained for certain things to happen, it could happen to the person sitting right next to you and you'd know nothing about it. That's an amazing thing, that God can allow a person to perceive and understand something, and someone who witnesses the same thing would have no real knowledge of what's going on. So they're looking at it two different ways. And when we have the mind of Christ, and when we have a new birth, let me tell you, it gives you an insight that the world very often knows nothing about. And so uh, Brother Bannon makes a statement, and... Uh, Let's just carry it a little bit further here. He says, we have to preach salvation the same way that salvation is for all. That's the way we preach it. But we know that all cannot receive it. All men cannot see these things. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes that can see in your understanding, for there is many that cannot understand it. So if you can see it, you're blessed. If you can, if you can understand the principles of Scripture and understand what's going on in your day, you are greatly blessed, and you are part of a very small minority in the world. And divine healing is for people who believe. But you cannot believe until something is within you to make you believe. Aha! So that's the key. The key is not that you're smarter than someone else or more observant than someone else. Uh, I'm not a real observant person. I, I Sometimes I had to be reminded, did you see that? Or did you notice that? Um, I'm, I'm just not, I, I see general pictures much more than specific things. And it has nothing to do with that. It, it has everything to do with what God put in you to pick up and understand what God is doing in your time. That's the difference. You cannot, you cannot believe until you see, and you cannot see until you look through the lens that God gave you, uh, which, which makes you believe. And that's what's, that's what's really important. So there are things that God hides, and he doesn't hide them in a corner somewhere. He hides them out in the open. It's the perception that is the key to understanding what God's doing. And if you have the perception, you can see all of what God does. And if you don't have that perception, if you don't have that, that uh, faith sense, then let me tell you, God can do all kinds of things right in front of you, and you'd never attribute it to God. And so it's, it's quite an important principle. Now, let me just uh, let me just divert here and and say a couple of things here. Uh, I was thinking about um, advice that I could give people at the end of of the year, and this is going to be a little strange. You're not going to be expecting this, um, but I want to take three little passages, three little Bible verses out of Ecclesiastes chapter seven, and um, uh, the first one is in Ecclesiastes seven verse eight, and this is a really great, rich chapter. Uh, in, in the Bible, full of lots of wisdom. And Solomon makes a statement. He said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. 
Now, we very, as human beings, we very often don't think this way, that uh, the better part is at the end of it. But you remember uh, in the scripture when David said, uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He doesn't say the birth of his saints, but the death of his saints. And to God, when something is completed and something is fulfilled and something is uh, come to the place that God intended it to come to, that is more precious to him than something that is just at the beginning stage. Now, we think the opposite. And at the at the beginning of a new year, I like to put this caution in because I'm not a person for resolutions uh, at all. But in terms of marketing, uh, marketers very strongly, uh, uh, you know, encourage people to start a weight loss program or start working out at a exercise facility or uh, start reading their Bible and, you know, have all of these uh, different programs and different things. Not that any of them are wrong, not at all. Uh, we all know what it's like, though, to start. Uh, we find it difficult, though, to come to December and, uh, and, and be able to say that December is actually better than January. And a lot of times we, we fail to realize that, um, you know, we, 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 we love starting things. It's the end of things that, that is difficult. The end of things is the thing that we lament. And so, uh, we, we find ourselves, uh, probably doing better when we live with the goal in mind. And, and this is what Solomon is saying that when we live with the end in mind, uh, you're probably going to stay focused more on what God wants you to do. So I think that the beginning of a year or the ending of the year, like now is a good time for you to begin to reflect on what it is that God wants you to accomplish and what God wants you to do. Um, Solomon's wisdom teaches us to live with the end in mind rather than the beginning. So in other words, we, we want to, we want to resolve within ourselves to say at the end of this year, this is where we would like to be. We'd like to be debt free, or we'd like to, uh, you know, um, move closer to the church or, you know, whatever else. And we're, we're going to work towards that. We're going to make, uh, certain decisions here, but that's our goal. And we're going to do everything through the year with that goal in mind. And, uh, when we keep that goal, current, when we keep that goal present in our mind, we're probably more likely to come to success with that uh, than, than if we just start off in the beginning of the year without any particular or specific goal. And so that's what Solomon is saying, that in, in the grand scheme of things, God is interested in how you come out, how you come to the end of things. And that's what he really wants to see. Now, humanly speaking, very often we come to the end of our life and we're old and wrinkled and slow and, uh, you know, nobody really wants to spend, uh, uh, you know, quality time with us and, and so forth, you know, as you get older. But yet on the inside, and that's how we look at things on the outside, but on the inside, there's something really great that's being formed and something that's coming to maturity. And so this is the wisdom of scripture, that better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And so as we apply that, we learn this idea of patience, and that's what he carries on in the second part of the verse. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So it is better for you to just have accomplished and to have come to the realization of, of that goal at the end of the year and say, you know what, I'm, I may not have 
accomplished all the, the literal or physical things in my life. But I'm closer to God. I'm higher up the ladder. I'm, I'm closer to that kingdom. And maybe those are things that uh, you can say in your heart. And that's a good thing because the, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. The second thing I'd like to say is that uh, every one of us are in a place where we learn lots of new things. In our church, we, we learn lots of new things. When you look at uh, at the end of a year or maybe at the end of a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, I look back at some of my notes from years, uh, from years ago, and I think, wow, that seems so shallow. It seems so simple. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for all that God has brought us through and all that God has taught us. And every one of us have learned things through this last year, especially this last year. Some of it we learned intentionally. Some of it we learned unintentionally. Intentionally, maybe, you know, you, you completed school. Some of our graduates completed school this year, so they intentionally had to pass certain exams. Or maybe you even read a book. You did a series. You, uh, you know, you listened to something or read something and got to the end of it there. And uh, you, you, you planned that. That was intentional. You wanted to do that. Unintentionally, though, uh, sometimes we learn, you know what, our world is not a safe place or our world is not a perfect place, or I'm not as young as I used to be. Um, there are lots of things we learn unintentionally through the year that, uh, you know, there, there are things that come your way that you experience that you never asked for. You, you never, you never went out and sought that. You never went and sought out for something that came maybe in the decline of your body or family upset or sickness that struck somebody in your family and changed the course of things. Or maybe you lost a loved one. Uh, those are things that we, we unintentionally experienced. Now, Solomon tells us here, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. If we just take the knowledge by itself, Many times we can become disillusioned with all that we experience. Now, I want you to listen to me here. We can become discouraged by the things that, uh, that we learn unless we turn those things into a sense of wonder about what God is really doing in our lives. Because we know that nothing happens by chance to the people of God. And so therefore, like David said in one thirty, uh, Psalm 139, he said that your, the knowledge of God, he said, is is too great for me. It is it is lofty. I'm, un, I'm unable to reach it. I'm up, unable to really fully grasp it. And so with all that David knew, he looked up to God. He looked up because he... He, he just saw the, the power of God, the, the, the ability of God, the wonder of God, the amazing things that God had done. And he didn't let the knowledge of all of his experiences become a trap for cynicism or bitterness. But rather, he, he used it uh, as a means to really understand that, that, you know what, God's in control, I'm not in control and I thank God for the good times. I thank God for the bad times because you know what? God is absolutely got control of my life and he's the one that's on the throne. And I, I'm glad that, uh, you know, God is, God is uh, leading me and guiding me. And you have to be sure, had to be careful that all the negative things that happen in your life, the unintentional things that you experience, that they do not drag you down, but they become learning experiences for you. They become stepping stones. Uh, to something greater. 
Now, the third one that I want to leave with you here is also a little bit unusual. And uh, Solomon says, a good name is better than precious ointment. This is 7-1. And he says, excuse me. And he says, the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. So again, this idea of the end of life is better uh, than than the beginning of life, and and this is the this is the mind of God. This is the way God thinks about things. And uh, Martin Luther was one who was very uh, very quick to to encourage people that we should we should talk about uh, what happens in the next life. He said, "The more we uh, Luther explained that the more we talk about death and the more we talk about leaving this world." He said, the less fearful we become of it. And we realize more and more that we are not meant to be here forever in this form. But there is something greater beyond this life. And we also realize that death is inescapable if time goes on. But also death is also that it's not unconquerable. In other words, death doesn't conquer us. Death is only a portal, a doorway that we go through to get to the other side. And so when we, when we talk about that and we realize that, and Brother Branham taught, made many, many, many references to the end of life and passing, passing over to the other side and the rapture and all of that. When, when, when those things are talked about, then the reality of, of the briefness of this life and the reality of, uh, you know what? It's really not worth holding on too tight to things in this life. It's better to make investments in heaven. And so having that in mind, uh, it, it's better to have a good name, as Solomon says, better than stuff, better than to have you know, possessions in life. And the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. We're, we're aiming towards something, that the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And we're aiming towards a goal. We have a very definite goal in mind. And uh, it is something that is very real, something that is very powerful. And uh, that's, that's really a, uh, a, a great thing to think about. All right. So just wanted to leave you with those three things there. I know this is a, that's a very uh, unusual type of way of looking at resolutions, but uh, we don't think like the world and we don't think that the way that they do. So we don't we don't look at things uh, in, in the way that they uh, uh, interpret things that happen to them. We look in terms of prophecy and we look in terms of what the scripture says about a particular hour. Now, speaking of that, let me just drop in here one slide. OK. And, and let me just say a few things about this. In Israel, we have uh, the stage set for another election, another change in their government there. Uh, there are important things that are taking place in, in Israel, and this election is one of them. We see some great changes that are taking place in the United States. As you know, it's a nation that's in decline. And it is, um, it's very interesting to see uh, the changes that have taken place over the last four years, and certainly... I think if we are here still for another four years, I'll be also commenting on the fact that we have seen lots of changes in this upcoming four years. So the, the third nation that's worth keeping an eye on is Russia. And uh, let me tell you, even though Russia, you know, they may be crippled a little bit by lower oil prices and lower gas prices, uh, Russia is still very much alive and they're still very active in the world. And the, technologically, they're still a force to reckon with. And they have, uh, they have a lot of influence on what happens in many parts of the world. 
And then, of course, China. Now, this is interesting because we've mentioned China before. And just before I came on air, somebody had sent me a, a document here by the Hudson Institute uh, about China and and the the pressure that they're putting on uh, religious groups uh, in in their country is really exceptional. It's really ramping up. Uh, they say that they're they're pretty soon going to have more Christians, professed Christians, and church-going Christians in China than they will in the United States uh, very soon. There have been uh, a lot of authorities who looked the other way when it came to house meetings in China for many, many years, and uh, well, for several years. And so there, there are, uh, they say, over 100 million uh, Protestant Christians in China and 10 to 12 million Catholics that are there. And uh, the government is now beginning to crack down on uh, the, the Christians there and making life difficult. Uh, China has also surpassed the size of the United States in terms of their Navy. And uh, there are lots of things about what's going on in China that we do not know and we probably would not want to know. But these are four nations to be watching in the year uh, that's coming ahead for sure. We have some other ones, though, that are interesting. And uh, India is a uh, nation that uh, was, in a sense, kind of a counterbalance to China was, uh, but is uh, an interesting up up and coming uh, power with all of their uh, population and their might uh, there. They still have quite an influence in that part of the world and a strong ally uh, for the United States. Uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, a nation that's that's very interesting. Uh, you'll probably see them make some sort of an alliance with Israel. Uh, to obtain military uh, technological secrets and uh, skills, uh, and also because of the declining reliance on oil in the world, uh, Saudi Arabia is always a nation to watch. Of course, Brazil on the other side in uh, South America, uh, Brazil is a nation over there as well that uh, has quite a bit of influence in that region, and uh, one that is uh, certainly interesting to keep your eye on, as well as Iran. Iran's a bit of a wild card in the Middle East, and all of the Middle East is uh, an area that is always of interest to us. So you have several nations there. Uh, let me throw up, uh, you know, the region of, of Europe and Eastern Europe. Uh, I mean, this is this is going to be a very important uh, season for them, and of course, Turkey and the nations that surround uh, Israel and that part of the world. Uh, so the European Union is also going through its own changes right now politically and uh, financially and socially, and uh, they're still trying to find their way. And I will tell you, uh, I, what I see in, the, in this whole scenario is they're setting the stage for somebody to stand up on, on the platform and say, look, let's just straighten this thing out and let's get it in order. And it is not going to be one of the uh, presidents or prime ministers of those countries. So uh, we're looking at the stage being set. If you take any of these nations here and any of the regions that they represent, uh, there are a lot of important things that are taking place in this part of the world. Here's what Brother Branham said in 1952. He said, in the name of the Lord, I say this, blessed is your eyes and your ears, for you see things that many in the back generations has longed to see and failed to see it. Blessed are your ears, which are hearing, for, your, for you hear things excuse me, that many has longed to hear and failed to hear it. God bless you. So I can only say this to you that, uh, you know, the, the upcoming year, I believe, is going to be one that's that's full of change and full of uh, dramatic events uh, that will take place. 
And I believe it's all uh, the stages being set for the bride to be taken away. And then, then of course, uh, Jerusalem to stand on its own. And, and we're, we're seeing that more and more in our time. And therefore, the resolutions that we make uh, should be about the end of our journey here. Not, not uh, you know, starting something in January here as a uh, New Year's resolution. Brother Brandon was never for that. But looking at the end of the journey, if this is the end of time for the Gentiles, if 2021 is the year when this all winds up, where do I want to end up with it? Where do I want to be at the end of this? Uh, what, what particular goal is the Holy Spirit impressing in my heart to, to accomplish? What, what end, what should I complete? What should I get done? What should I make sure uh, at the end of my journey? If this is, in other words, we're going to live like this is the last, the last little bit of time we got. And if that's the case, Lord, tell me where you want me to be in life on the last day. Because now we're facing the last day. We're facing the end times. And so this is a kind of a, a way, I think, that, that we can be thinking about the upcoming year. You look at the world. It's falling apart. And, and all of these players in here are major, strategic. They all have an influence on what happens uh, directly or indirectly in our lives. And so, therefore, um, this is an unstoppable process. This is, this is what's going to uh, take the world right on into tribulation. And uh, preceding that, it will take the bride out of this earth, thank God. So I, I just wanted to throw that, uh, those, those few things uh, in there for you and uh, just let you, let you think about uh, those things. Now, just a couple of comments here. And I, I, I went back and found this message here, this sermon. Uh, you might not be able to see it here, but it's called, uh, We Have Seen the Star in the East and Have Come to Worship Him. And uh, this is the very sermon that I was given 41 years ago today by the brothers in Newfoundland, Canada, who baptized me. And uh, when I left uh, where I was baptized, it was Sunday, and uh, I had to uh, go back because I had to go back to uh, work and so forth. And uh, was heading home on the bus. And when I was leaving on the bus, I had just newly been baptized. And uh, they, they handed me this particular sermon. And, and I'd, never, I'd never read one of the individual sermons before. But today is that anniversary of 41 years ago, giving my heart to the Lord and being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it, it's just a, a special day for me, not only because it's Henry's birthday, but uh, because it's a special day for me. But uh, you know, I remember sitting on the bus by myself and, uh, you know, so close to Christmas and everybody has their feelings about Christmas when you're in the world. And I remember reading down through just the first couple of pages here and I'd never, uh, I'd never read anything quite like this. And brother Branham says, you know, what if there wasn't a real Christmas? He asked the question, what if there wasn't a real Christmas? And I was thinking, wow, I've only known one. And, uh, what is the opposite of a real Christmas? And I began to th think, and it was like the Holy Spirit just anointed my thinking in a new way. I'd never thought about things like this before. And he said, if there had not been a real Christmas, well, things wouldn't be the way they are tonight. If there wasn't a Christmas, there wouldn't have been no salvation. If there wasn't a Christmas, there would be no resurrection. And now we're facing Christmas again. He said, it's too bad we have changed it and the real meaning of it. He said, being the birth of Jesus Christ, 
until it looks like just Santa Claus takes the place of Christ in Christmas and some fiction of Kris Kringle and all the other things that he says there. When Brother Branham said that 41 years ago in my my thinking, I'd never heard anybody talk like that. I'd never heard anybody speak about that. And it was very interesting uh, to me. And so it, it really caught my attention. It's always been a special scripture out of Matthew, the second chapter, about uh, you know how he described the, the event back there and what that means to us. But now let's apply that, all right? Let's apply that in our time here. For all the error, Brother Bam said, and everything there is about it, there's something about it that the world tries to make it an Xmas. In other words, it's a, a non-sacred event. But God's still got Christmas in it somewhere, hasn't he? In other words, Christ was really born. He sure has. He's got something about it, just the very names and the thoughts of the birth of the Lord Jesus. All the world's put Santa Claus in his place, sure, but not to the Christian, not to the Christian. So therefore, he's encouraging us, and this has been my theme lately, that we are we are commissioned we are permitted to think differently than the people of the world. And we should be thinking differently than the people of the world. No matter what they do to it, we know it's still true. It's still a very sacred thing in the eyes of God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, Brother Brandon makes this statement, and I love to use this in, in Thanksgiving and, and Christmas time. And he was talking about Thanksgiving here at the beginning. He says, tomorrow's Thanksgiving Day, and a day when we set aside to remember what the pilgrims did, but he said also one for thanking God for what he's done for us. And he said, this is truly an American holiday Thanksgiving Day is. And he said, tell your children about it. So stop. If, if, if I have any advice for you, I would say this. I think it should be a regular thing if you have children to sit down and make sure your children understand what Christmas is really about and what Thanksgiving is really about and what Easter is really about. Uh, it's not about, you know, sticking eggs onto a bush. It's there's something sacred to God about these days, and God highlights certain days, and we should tell our children that yes, there are you know gatherings and food and dinners and family and fun and all of that, and that's all a part of it. But there's also something sacred to God about this particular thing that He did on a particular day, and. Uh, you know, like I, I would imagine that Noah's family always remembered the date that the rain started. I, I imagine they always would remember that or the day that they came out of the ark. There is a day when this actually happens. God might promise it and we might be in the season of it, but there comes a day. And there is a day when Jesus was born. There is a day when Jesus rose from the dead. There was a day, uh, you know, when the, the our forefathers uh, began to give thanks in the first Thanksgiving time. And, and so uh, Brother Branham has said that we should not take that for granted. So tell your children about it. Teach it so that they would teach their children. And then, you know, down in the generations, if we have them, uh, that there were people who sacrificed in order for us to have the freedoms that we have. And he says it here. We don't know how long it will last that way. We don't know how long we'll, we'll have the freedoms we have. There's an awful lot of things, I think, that we take for granted. And we'll know that only when they're taken from us. Because while we have them, we don't even think that this is a big deal. When we lose things, that's when we really have a sense of loss and a sense of, of value to things that have been taken from us. And we know a little bit about that in, uh, in this year because of all that's been taken from us. But uh, let me tell you, that's, that's still... Uh, that's, that's still um, something that we should remind ourselves of that while we can worship and while we can remember the sacredness of these events, we should, and we should teach our children 
those things. Because there'll come a time, according to Revelations 18, there'll come a time when all nations will be pulled into the uh, grip of the Antichrist and all that he's going to do. And judgment will be poured out upon that. And Revelations 18 talks about that. We've been, we're going to be dealing with that a little bit more later on. So Brother Branham makes a statement here in 1963. He said, but uh, what difference does it make? He said, if they were doing it in July or August, it's still the sacredness of remembering that God gave us the hope we have in us. Excuse me. And now you say, well, the rest of them is all Santa Claus and going on like that. Why, we might as well do it too. No, no, no. He says, you can't forget because this is not a pagan celebration. This is a sacred hour. So let me let me balance these two things for you because I just showed you some of the nations of the world that are that are poised to, to do serious things in our world. And we've got a, a, a message and a revelation and a prophet that came in the last day to bring us something very specific. And this is all culminating. And it's a, it's an hour where we want to set aside time and space for God to deal with us. Lord, deal with me, guide me, give me, give me goals that are pleasing to you and let me focus on the things that matter. If there had been no Christmas, there'd be no resurrection. Been no Christmas, there'd been no love, been no peace. There'd be no hereafter for the believer if there'd been no Christian Christmas. So here's Matthew 2. Uh, I'm going to let you guess. Was this picture taken last night? Or was this picture taken 2,000 years ago? Probably never took pictures this nicely back 2,000 years ago. But I think it's amazing that in our time, and I wonder, you know, I, I couldn't help but think last night, I wonder uh, what Brother Branham would have said if if we had a star uh, scene like we did last, you know, last couple of days uh, where these two planets, you know, aligned themselves in our view. They're not, they're not close together, but they aligned themselves in our view and gave us this effect where uh, maybe that's what the, the wise men followed. We really don't know. But they, they did follow some, uh, some uh, phenomena in the sky, this star. So the Bible says that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now that word there, uh, troubled, it, it is no minor word. It means that whatever calmness he had was taken away, and he was troubled. In other words, something is happening that I cannot explain and nobody else can explain. And when that happens, it takes away your calmness. And that's what that word means. So when Herod heard these things, and all Jerusalem heard these things, you know what? No one had an explanation. <laughs> and when there's no explanation, it's kind of like in the days of Daniel when the hand wrote on the wall and they had no interpreter uh, to give them the right meaning of what was going on. Blessed are your eyes that see what they see and hear what they hear because God's given you that backstory. He's given you the insight to see what it is actually that's going on. Not, in, not so much in that time back there 2,000 years ago, but in our time as well uh, today. God's given us great insight. So they followed this right to Jerusalem where they thought that this, you know, if any supernatural religious event would have taken place, it would have happened in Jerusalem, or at least they would have known about it, and they did not. And so Herod now springs into action because he's insecure, he's fearful, and he's going to look for this king because he does not want to surrender his kingdom. By the way, 
This word trouble appears also in John 14 and 1. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And he says, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. Don't be troubled by that. Don't let that disturb your calmness. You may not be able to explain it fully, but when I give you this kind of a promise, you don't need to be troubled. You don't need to be upset by this. And so this is the idea that uh, Jesus gives us here when he uses this word that uh, the, the, in, the, in, a, in a negative sense or in this sense here like Herod, he's looking at this phenomenon or hearing the story. He doesn't see the star, but he's hearing what he's hearing. And all of a sudden his calmness leaves him. You know how that feels that sometimes you hear certain things. Maybe you're, you're in your job and you hear, you know, there's talk of, of the plant moving to China or something. And all of a sudden there's a troubling feeling that you have. You know, there's, I never expected that. And I don't know how this is going to come out. It's a very normal, natural way of looking at things. But for Herod now, Herod knew there'd be consequences if there was two kings. And they were referring to him as the king of the Jews. And so Herod's thinking, oh, wow, I've either got a conflict or we're going to have a battle or, we're, you know, one way or another, someone's going to have to relinquish the throne. And he didn't want to do it. And so it took away his calmness. He did not have an answer and he didn't have anyone around him who had an answer uh, for what was taking place. That's the difference with us. So here's Brother Branham now again in, in 1954. He says, when the, when the Pharisees were in there arguing and what kind of buttons they should have on their coats and three magis, fortune tellers, stargazers came from the east following a star and they found him. So while they're arguing about something completely un, unimportant and unrelated, these wise men, they're ordained to see the star and where it leads them. It's true. The clergy of that day was wondering what kind of buttons they ought to wear on their clothes and how they must dress and having DDs and so forth to their names. Just the history repeating itself. There laid the gift of God laying right there. Now, let me ask you this question. If there's a gift that God gives to us, what's the point of leaving the gift unwrapped? The whole point of having a gift given to us is that we would take it and unwrap it and we would use it. We would apply it. We would enjoy the benefits of that gift. When God gives a gift, it's a good thing, and it's meant for good things. And it's important for us to remember that if God gives, gives us something in our time and in our day that we recognize this truly is a gift of God, we need to unwrap this and uh, we lay aside our normal business, we lay aside normal things, and we pay attention to this gift that God's given to us. But it will do us no good if we just leave the gift there and uh, we, we don't respond. We, we have our mind on something else. And this is what he's saying here about the clergy of that day and the, the religious people of that day. Here's God doing something, lays it right on their lap, and they're just concerned about other things. They're not concerned about what God's doing at all. Again, at thy word, Brother Branham says, you remember the wise men, and what did they see when they followed to Jesus? Nobody else saw it. It passed right over the observatory in every planetarium. Every city had a planetarium. They kept time by the stars. This was not uncommon for there to be wise men. This is not uncommon for them to have planetariums. This is not uncommon for them to watch the movement of the bodies in space. Every city had one. That's true. And it isn't that strange that those wise men went right through city after city after city following a star that even the stargazers and the men in the planetarium in telling time and things never saw anything of it. They were looking for it because you get what you expect. So it's an amazing thing that God could actually do this 
and hide it from the rest of the world. In Genesis, you remember when Pharaoh was looking for an answer uh, to the dream he had, he summoned his wise men. In Exodus chapter 7, Pharaoh called the wise men and the sorcerers and the magicians of Egypt as well to counter Moses. In Esther, the king said to the wise men which knew of the times, for so it was the king's manner toward all, all that knew the law and judgment. Give me an answer for this problem that I'm uh, dealing with. Wise men have existed all through time. It's not anything unique that there was wise men in the days of Jesus when he was born. Well, what was unique was that they caught a vision of something that nobody else saw, and they began to follow it. And Brother Branham said, even when the wise men in the east had looked down southeastward where they were at Babylon, saw a majestic star, did you know that there's not a speck of history nowhere that says that any of them saw that star at all? In other words, it's not recorded uh, in a way that this was a you know a supernatural phenomenon at all, that this was something extraordinary, because the, most people didn't see it. And the Bible records it, but most people would not regard that as anything kind of scientific or authoritative. We do, but a lot of people don't. And he says, why is this so? Because it was not given to them. They weren't looking for such. But these wise men knew that they were there was going to be a star of Jacob arise, and they were looking for it. And it passed from the time that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You go all the way back to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that, that he took up his parable and, and said, Balaam, the son of Baor, hath said, the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now. This is prophecy. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab. So listen, those wise men were wise because not only could they see something that was all of a sudden not a normal event in the skies, uh, but they also went back and looked for and searched for something that would have verified that something is happening in the heavens that's signaling something on the earth. Because remember, God said he always does it in the heavens first. So they go back to the Old Testament scrolls and they find there shall be a star out of Jacob. So they knew the general direction they were heading. They knew they were going to be going into Israel uh, because that was what uh, Israel's name came from was Jacob. And so uh, here, here's the wise men. They knew, they knew all right, We've got vindication in the scrolls. We've got vindication in the skies. And and now we want to pursue this and follow because we have two witnesses that this is actually going to be a true thing. And remember, the extraordinary thing is that there was only a handful of people who actually saw this and followed it. It's no good to see it and not follow it. You have to do both. Here's Brother Branham. Now watch this. Thy tyrant church age. She said, Ahab brought idolatry into Israel. And what did Jezebel do? She killed every prophet she could get her hands on. So did the popes. Every true Christian, they'd get their hands on, they killed them. But there was a star, but there was a star of that age, old Elijah. He wasn't scared. Tell him about it. Yes, sir, he was God's star of that age. And he got down and said, Lord, I'm the only one left. And God said, Now wait a minute, Elijah. Got 7,000 out here, and you don't know where they're at. So let me tell you something. In dark times, God's always got a star. In dark times, God's always got his man, and he's got his supernatural phenomenon that guides the predestinated. 
Back in that day, it was Elijah that was the star of that particular time. So now we've had seven church ages. Now you remember the, the drawing that the Holy Spirit did on the back wall of the tabernacle. You remember that when uh, the, the seven circles were drawn there. And the last one, really, Brother Branham said, had almost no light in it whatsoever. And so we know that a star is going to shine brighter when it's darkest. And here's Brother Branham now, when he's catching the understanding of what's going on in his time, because he's a star of that age, it's been veiled through the ages. And I, I didn't put in all those scriptures back here. I didn't read them all, but... Revelation 1.16 said that he had in his hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Now remember, and, and this we've taught on this before, that these stars did not have, these candlesticks did not have their own light. They reflected light that came from within the Holy of Holies. So they were simply reflectors of the light of God. And so when Elijah was a light to his age, he was not coming up with his own ideas. He was rather just reflecting the presence of God into that generation and into that time to let people know clearly what God was doing. And so we have the same thing in our time. 1964, here's Brother Branham. It's been veiled through the ages. In other words, it's been obscure or dark, according to what God said. It'll be open in the last day, and the seals would be open, and the full things comes into the view of the people. And that's what's taken place all along. He said, the hour of the seventh angel's message, all the mysteries of God should be made known in that Elijah in the last hour. Guess who's our star in the last last church age, right? It's a messenger that came, a prophet that came with the spirit of Elijah, anointed so that uh, God could use him not only to cry out against sin in our time, but also to use him to enter into a realm of the book of Revelation that nobody else have been able to enter into and declare those mysteries as unsealed and reveal to the bride of Christ. Wow, that's just an amazing thing. So we've had a star rise in our time as well, and God's laid things at our feet. And here we find the scriptures that pertain to this last day, and this is what God promised. So in other words, you're looking at the picture of the cloud, you're looking at the pillar of fire, you're looking at the supernatural phenomena that took place, all the healings. And then you go back to the scrolls, you go back to the scripture, and find this is exactly what God said would happen in the last day. So now you've got two evidences that... Uh, let us know exactly where this is taking us. It's taking us to the Word made flesh in our time, which is Revelation 10. So the star of our day, the star, the real star of our day, is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have seen his star and have come to worship him. We are those people that have caught a revelation of what God is doing right in our time. Because we have seen that mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. Hey, it's not over yet. We're still in that process of uh, watching the word unfold and reveal itself and catch us up and change our body and build our faith. And all of those things have to uh, come to completion. That's why the end is better than the beginning. The end of this thing is what we're aiming for. The end of this thing is our goal. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. Because you're going to have a pure bride that stands there with the pure word, embracing, embraced by inner heart. Brother Bram said in modern events, the man who's seen the vision or heard his voice never altogether understood. In many cases, that's those prophets. In many cases, he didn't know because he was just an instrument of God, just like a microphone. It's God's thoughts expressed through men's lips, a thought, a course as a word expressed. God does his own choosing by his predestinated choosing. He done it in every age. He set forth the man for each age. 
like when Moses, when he was to fulfill what he told Abraham. So God sets a gift. God sends a ministry. God sets somebody there and what uses that ministry and uses that gift. Because now is the bride calling. Now is when the seven seals have been opened. Now is when the complete things that the reformers left has to be opened. And only Malachi 4 can do that because it takes a revelation straight from God to an individual to do so. Can come to a group. Never did. One man. That's what God promised in the shadows of his coming for his bride and Eliezer. God has set forth a gift for us. God set forth something. Hey, a gift is no of no value until we unwrap it. It's of no value to us un, unless we open it up and enjoy it. And let me tell you, if it's a gift from God, we should lay aside everything else and just focus on the thing that God's given to us. That's exactly what he's, he's teaching here. And Brother Bram's letting us know that God has put in the gift. He's put in the message of the revealing of Christ. He's put in there your calling. He's put your rapture in there. He's put everything you need for the change of your body. He's wrapped it all up in that one gift. And he has, uh, he has revealed it and is revealing it in this last day. And it had to come through a prophet, and that's why they're there. Last slide. All of Israel, of the tens of thousands that were in them days, around 4 million, and there was 120 that heard his voice out of 4 million. My, if the rapture would come tonight, it'd be scary if I tell you what I think would happen. It's true. In, in Israel, back in that day, tens of thousands of people that were there, around 4 million population in, in the nation, and about 120 or so in that upper room, 120, and even less than that when Jesus was actually born. You think about that. They were a part of a very elect group, a very special group that had an insight into what was happening not because they were smarter, not because they were more religious, not because they were more self-righteous, but rather only because God, by his grace, had opened their eyes. Let me go back to what I began with and say this. There are all kinds of things that are happening in the world. There are things that are happening in the skies. There are things that are being obviously fulfilled in the Bible, Old and New Testament. There are things that are happening to the world itself and how it's changing. And here we are living in this last day and God lays this gift of his word to us. This is something that, listen, you're blessed if you have an understanding of what I've told you tonight. You're blessed if you have an understanding and being able to take a message. And even, even in my sinner days and coming just straight out of the pool of baptism, and I remember taking the message, and this message is still today just speaks to my heart because it was just quickened so easily by the Holy Spirit. Had a willing vessel. And I just, after 41 years, I, I just think, I wish I had more years. I wish I had given my life earlier. I... I sometimes think about it. I wish I had done more. I wish I had accomplished more or listened more or in some way. I just think, wow, with God, all things are possible. With God, why should we hold back? Why should we, why should we reserve ourselves and think, well, we're afraid of this or that or what people might think or, uh, you know, I, I don't want to use my gift because I'm afraid of what people think or, you know, we don't want to speak about, you know, the, the the end times of the message because we're afraid of what people might, how they might react. Why in the world should we fear? 
about this world. This world is, is crumbling. This world falling apart. We should only fear that we would miss God's will. So take the first three things that I told you about. And don't think about starting fresh. Think about ending right. Let's think about how the end of something is precious in the eyes of God. And persevere, press on, continue the fight, continue putting one foot in front of the other. Teach your children, teach your grandchildren. Pray one for another. You should do that. Fellowship one for another. Be forgiving. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to let things go. Don't let, don't let Satan drop uh, seeds of bitterness in your heart. Let things go. Don't always pick the fight or want to, uh, you know, have the last word. Let it go. Let it go. It's not worth it. Time is short. Too many things are happening that flash and let us know we're at the very end of things. There will be a day when God says, that's it. I just want to be in the right place. I want to be standing doing the right thing on that day. Because the end of this whole Gentile dispensation is better than any other part of it. Lord, prepare me for that hour. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you, Lord, for the real meaning of the season that we're in. We thank you, Lord, because of your love and your grace to us. You stepped into this realm, took off the robes of glory, and put on the robe of flesh. You died a death you didn't deserve, that we might enjoy a life we definitely didn't deserve. Father, I just pray that you would just bless every family. And Lord, in our separation and in our loneliness, in our unusual times we live in, I ask that you would just make up the difference in every life, in every home. Lord, I especially pray for those folks that are sick, those folks that are needy. When I say needy, Lord, just that just about includes all of us as we have different needs in our lives and different things we want to overcome. We want to have different things, Lord, that we know we can do better with. Help us, Lord. I pray right where we are. And help us, Lord, to have an, an end we are not ashamed of. Help us to run the race, complete the course. Help us to finish what you have started in us. I pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would bring us to maturity, bring us to completion, bring us to perfection. Father, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate this time together. Bless the assembly. Bless our families, I pray. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we ask. Amen. And amen. God bless you, saints. Have a wonderful holiday over the next few days. And uh, we just trust that the Lord will keep you safe. And uh, Lord willing, if we're able to have church, if we're uh, uh, able to gather together on Sunday, we will look forward to seeing you then. If we make any change in our schedule, we're scheduled to meet on the 27th. But if there's any change in schedule, we'll certainly let you know. May God bless you and have a wonderful evening.